thanks to our sponsor, Geomont. Have you thought about adding contact center capabilities into your existing Microsoft Teams user base? If so, take advantage of our promo to add BuzzEasy Contact Center for Teams from Geomont and get your first month subscription for free. It's a complete omni-channel experience that works seamlessly with Teams Voice. BuzzEasy was developed with best practices in Azure and offers a rich, easy-to-use experience. Geomont is a Microsoft Gold partner and part of the Technology Adoption Program, and their BuzzEasy chatbot solution for Microsoft Teams has been chosen as a preferred solution on the Microsoft App Store. See the show notes for details around our special offer. This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 440, our last episode of 2021. Recorded live December the 23rd, 2021. This episode is brought to you by Orchestry. Don't be fooled. Microsoft Teams and SharePoint are difficult. Microsoft Teams, when simply turned on, can be unruly and yield endless sprawl. SharePoint causes constant frustration with user interface and permissioning challenges. End the chaos and harness the full power of Microsoft Teams, SharePoint Online, and Microsoft 365 with Orchestry. Orchestry is the work-made simple platform that empowers end users through controlled self-service provisioning while delivering the actionable insights and lifecycle management your IT administrators need to enable remote and hybrid work productivity without locking down the powerful capabilities of Microsoft Teams and SharePoint Online. See why so many are claiming Orchestry to be the must-have Microsoft Teams management tool of 2021. Get your free access to Orchestry with full featured trial at orchestry.com and tell them the Microsoft Cloud Show sent you to get the all the friends of the show perks. Back to the show. Good morning, CJ. How's it going? It's feeling a lot like Christmas. Yeah, it is. Got two days away. I hope you're all done with your shopping. I'm taking the fifth. Oh, great. Here we go again. A lot of that going around. (laughs) Yeah, no, it is. I'm almost there. Just a couple of little things to pick up, but that's it. Mm. How about you guys? We've been finished for almost like two weeks. Oh, man. Nice. Well, that's the first. We've never done that. But like I finished, I wrapped all of my stuff that I had to wrap this past Saturday that's been stashed around the house. But yeah, everything is... We jumped in and got it all done really early this year. And it's weird. I like it this way because now I don't have the stress of trying to figure out what I'm going to do at the last minute. What I really like about it is like this week, I'm still working this week. So we're recording this on Thursday where Christmas is in two days for us. And I'm like, I nobody is in the office or nobody is working and nobody's like talking to us. So I'm getting so much done and I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely loving it. So yeah, I'm in the same boat. This week is pretty quiet on the work front. So catching up on a bunch of things, trying to finish them off for the end of the year and just tidy stuff up. But yeah, yeah it's definitely gone quiet. And then about golf where I'm working now is essentially not shutting down, I would say, but going pretty quiet over the holiday period. And so, yeah, from you know December through first week of Jan is, is going to be pretty quiet. I really like this time of the year for that, right? To catch up on a few things, read things you've always wanted to read. Mm-hmm. Take a few things off your to-do list around the house. Learn some new technology that you don't get time during the year to to that you've been dying to get into and look at. I don't know, just dabbling with stuff. I love this yeah, time of the year for that. I totally agree. I totally agree with you. It's, I I love this time. I love when things. Are, I finally did something yesterday. Actually, that was well, I've done it over the last two weeks. But yesterday is when I finally was like, I guess put my flag in the ground to declare what I did. But so I've I've been blogging for twenty almost 20 years. So I launched my site, my blog, andrewcall.com back in September of 2003 and effective 
last night, I did this about a week ago on my company site, but effective last night after 2,500 posts, I have now turned commenting off on my site. I've wanted to do, I've wrestled with this decision for a very long time. And it's, I'm not doing it for some people. The first reaction when I mentioned I was going to do this with someone, they're like, why are you not going to let people comment on your stuff? I'm like, ah, that's not the point. There's a part where it's like, Performance reasons. I use an outsource provider discuss that it's great, but it adds a bunch of cookies and trackers and JavaScript to the site that I'm mm-hmm. not a big fan of. And plus you still have to moderate stuff, which I do, but I only don't approve things that are like inappropriate, spam, hateful, yep. cursing, stuff like that. I'll let everything else, even if you're, if you're critical of what I'm saying, that's fine. I mean, that's, that's what I do it. But the main reason I did this, instead, what I did is I didn't just shut it off. I just said, no more comments on my site, but Here's an easy way to go through and to put all the comments on Twitter. And so it's I have two buttons at the bottom of every post that is share this on Twitter and discuss this on Twitter. And hmm. I did it because if you left a, po- a comment on my post, the only person that's going to see it is me and other people who go to my post and scroll right. down and look for those comments. Yep. The point is that I like to write because I like to share things and I like to start a discussion about something. And... To me, that's the old way of doing it was very much a one-to-one conversation with people who wanted to comment or one to very few. And I thought that by moving the comments, watching what a lot of other sites have done, I thought that by moving the comments off of my site and instead putting them on Twitter, then I'm truly like to take a, a theme out of the whole like cryptocurrency stuff and I've turned commenting into a decentralized organization. I can't control it. Once the comments start there, I have no control over it. I can't censor what somebody says. I can't moderate what somebody says. If someone wants to go through and start posting spam links and porn and all that kind of stuff like related to one of my posts, I can't stop you from doing that on Twitter. Now, Twitter can do that. They can stop you, but I can't. Yeah, Yeah, I know what you're saying though. That's interesting. Yeah, Yeah, I guess that is a really interesting point though about comments on posts. They're very siloed. Mm-hmm. That little walled garden of your post, right? Whereas Twitter, it opens the conversation up. Other people can see it. Like, I'm not going to go and check every one of your posts for new comments every day, but I'll see tweets and you replying to people or whatnot. Yeah. So I guess for discoverability of content as well, it helps. It's, yeah. So there's a selfish reason for doing it too, because I find that the majority, like a lot of my traffic comes from Twitter and if someone leaves a comment on a royal post. Nobody's going to go back and go look at that. And, you know, no, exactly. Gotta, and so nobody's going to look at that kind of stuff. So I think that this is a way to get things a little bit more, give it a little bit more visibility, make it a little bit more transparent. It's funny because as much as I struggle with this, I put a blog post up that explained why I did it. And I've gotten a bunch of feedback on Twitter. Um, yeah, I've nice. gotten a lot of feedback on Twitter and it is almost unan- it's like unanimously positive. The only thing that people have said, well, hey, you could always go through and take the old comments. You could still post them on those pages or you could create something on your site that actually takes the threaded conversation and puts it on those posts. And it's like, yeah, I could, but I haven't deleted anything. It's just mm-hmm. not showing up on my site. I decided not to go through and to take the time to take all my old comments and put them on the site. I have the exports. I could do that, but I'm just like, is anybody going to read that stuff? So is it really worth the effort to do that? I don't know. Jury's out on that, but it was a big change that I've wanted to do for a long time. And I guess in retrospect, you could say I did it the week of Christmas so that slow news time, nobody's going to notice it, but that's not why I did it. <laughs> there you go. That sounds like a cool change. I like that idea. I'm happy I did it. But So today, we're going to have some fun. First, one thing just to highlight. I know everyone, of course, we're recording this today. The last time we had an episode come out, which was on December the 22nd, we said, hey, go watch the news, watch the skies. You're going to see 
the James Webb telescope go off within 24 hours of the episode going. And it didn't. And the reason why is because very soon after we recorded that episode, they rescheduled things a little bit. It was supposed to go off on, uh, they changed it to Christmas Eve. And I believe now they're looking at doing it on Christmas because of some weather issues, but there's nothing wrong here. They're just being careful. So there's been a little delays, but yeah, instead of me you know, on the show announcing when it's going to be like, hopefully by the time this comes out, this baby will be on its way, has already launched and it'll be on its way to its endpoint target where it's going. So December 25th at 7.20 a.m. Eastern time. There we go. There's a reason why. So your kids will be getting up to check out what's under the Christmas tree and I'll be sitting if in the they are at 4.30 in the morning, my time, I'm going to have some serious words with them. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> depends on how old the kids are because that depends. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But hey, so today what we're going to do, so just as a heads up, everybody, here's what we're going to do today. We are, this is going to be our reflection looking back at last year. That's one thing that we're going to do, but we are also, we're not going to do any news today. We're not going to share any kind of news. So if you want to tune out and just be like, oh, yeah, I want to go through and look back what it was, that's fine. We are going to take a week off. Next week, the week between Christmas and New Year's, CJ and I are not going to record an episode, so we won't have an episode coming out right after New Year's, but we will be back in episode 441 early in January. That is that all of that is planned. And that's probably when we'll, I don't know, we'll do a little bit of news or we're not sure if we're going to do news or we're going to be looking predictions. forward to 2021 or predictions, but we'll do have predictions. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to, today is going to be looking back. We do have some picks. We have a listener pick as well that I'm looking forward to sharing, but I guess, why don't we go ahead and jump into it? How's that sound? Sounds perfect. This episode is sponsored by ShareGate. Microsoft Teams can be a great tool for your organization. That is before your users make your environment messier than eating a hard shell taco. And that's where ShareGate comes in. Their user-friendly tools automate the tedious daily tasks involved in migrating, managing, and securing Microsoft Teams so that you can maintain a safe and productive environment without locking it down. Head over to ShareGate.com for your free 30-day trial and transform the way that you manage your Microsoft Teams. And we're back. All right, CJ, we do this every year where we look back at previous um, previous years. And I thought it would be I thought it would be nice and healthy or nice little reminder on hey, we did the same thing for uh, looking back at 2020. And I thought that we ought to start doing that and look back at what we talked about last time because it gives us some context on how far we've really come. It doesn't as we were talking about this in our pre-show, we were like, God, it seems so long ago that some of this stuff happened. But oh yeah, some of our big themes that we looked at when we were talking about looking back at 2020, Microsoft you know, announced that they were going to ditch Edge and they were going to redeploy Edge as Credge or Chromium Edge. Credge, um, yeah. Impacts of the pandemic from working from home, virtual school, Teams adoption, Zoom adoption, changes in Slack, the whole contract, which I guess that yeah. is going to... Be perpetually going to keep changing. Zoom security issues that they were having, the solar winds oh, yeah. trickled into this year, TikTok and the TikTok acquisition or non-acquisition by Microsoft and Walmart was that and 20, all that stuff. Was that this year or last year? That was all 2020. That was all wow. stuff from, from 2020 that we looked at. So it, that's see, that's what I wanted to go back and look at going, man, it's crazy. This was that long ago. But I thought that what we would do today is let's First, that's stuff that we looked at from 2020. Let's take a look at some stuff with 2021. And I, th- I thought that one of the things that I wanted to share first about 2021 is we talked a little bit about this in our pre-show. And I think that one of the things to me, you had an interesting observation. I'm going to let you share it if you want to share it. But to me, the thing that 
when I look back at the big news from this year, what I feel like is instead of there being a lot of new things happening constantly going on throughout the year, mm. to me, it feels like there's been these themes and these cycles that have they've been constantly repeating themselves throughout this year. And it'll make a little more sense on what I mean by that as mm. we start going through it. But things around social media and clouds for um, social responsibility, hacks, outages, growth in, in the cloud, both from company, both from adoption and from clouds, but or from company like stocks. But it just seems like there hasn't been a lot of news. But if I distilled it down, I could put it into just a couple different categories. And I feel like it's constantly mm. like happening throughout the similar year. themes, thematic yeah. similarities. Yeah. I am um, I'll touch on what I was meaning very briefly. I just think it's been a quiet and non not quite as crazy year as 2020. Mm-hmm. And I suspect I'm not going to get into the dark depths of this, but and I suspect it follows from what happened with US politics mm-hmm. last year, 2020 was possibly the craziest election cycle we've seen in the US. And I feel this year, there's been this big sort of, what's the right term, quietness. It doesn't matter where you fall on the spectrum of what happened, but everything has just cooled off a little bit. (laughs) Does that make sense? (laughs) It does. The description that I heard someone say, so I like watching every once in a while, I like to tune into those Sunday morning political talk shows. And Someone said at some point, like halfway through the year or late in the summer, someone said, yeah, the current presidency is just boring. And someone's like, isn't that the point? <laughs> like, yes, exactly. And yeah. It, and it, yeah, again, politically, I don't want to I don't want to start having a political discussion here, but I do. And I know you don't either. But it, I think that it just regardless of where you stand on it, it is nice that to me, it's just nice that there's not just this constant, you know, what's this new kind of debacle going on or what's yeah, absolutely. Know, yeah. There's always going to be stuff about bills getting passed or not getting passed and fights and all that stuff. But it's just nice that I feel like the majority of the news this past year, I guess, is it is this a good or a bad thing, is that we could just go back to natural disasters happening and talking about it over the course of a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely. I think it's just to set the dial tone for the year. That's where I'm getting to. That, That's a good that way. Constant, that sort of constant hum has taken a, you know, it's lowered the decibels. So mm-hmm. that sort of feels like the, the overall theme for me for the year. And then weirdly, I think it's trickled in to other things going on, or maybe it's just the other things don't seem as crazy and wild anymore because we've had the previous years that we've had. Yeah. And yeah, maybe they are as crazy and wild as they were ever. It's just, we've been desensitized to it a little bit. I'm not sure. Yeah my tension meter is not as pegged to the right as it Uh, was uh, this time last year. Oh my God. (laughs) I think here's a good, here's the first theme that I want to, that I want, I thought we should, that we could talk about And this. Yes, there is a little bit of politics involved in this side, but it does come down to our cloud and tech area. The first category that I'm going to throw out there is like the cloud and the social media response or social responsibility of the cloud. And which also includes social media. So what do I mean by that? I'm not the elephant in the room is January the 6th and of this year when there was a that really set the tone for a lot of things throughout the year probably going forward as well. But we saw things specifically around the tech space of a lot of deplatforming of individuals and of different providers. So we saw Parler basically get 
shut out of the tech space, of the mainstream mm. tech space, I should say, main, mainstream mm. public cloud. And we saw individuals get deplatformed as well off Twitter, off Facebook, and off different platforms. Mm. But what I mean by this too is I also talk about like social responsibility. So we also look at look at Facebook and look at the bad press that they've had throughout the year. A major piece being from Frances Haugen, the whistleblower, and the stuff that she has shared. But really, I think that you know, this big theme of the question coming up of society asking each other, asking the cloud, the different cloud providers, asking their different government, the respective governments of where's the social responsibility or where does the responsibility come down? Do we need to have, does there need to be some sort of regulation around this stuff? And if there is, what does that mean? What does it look like? This is going to be an ongoing discussion and it's something that it's going to be, I'd wrap all of that up into one big blanket. Definitely. I agree with that. I think the conversation around social responsibility for tech companies in general has been an ongoing thing for years. But I think what really changed this year is how it flipped from being mostly behind the scenes in the tech world conversation to it being on everybody's minds post January 6th and what happened. Mm -hmm. And so whether you agree or disagree with what happened after those events, it's definitely made this conversation be put this conversation in mainstream conversation and in people's around people's dinner tables. So deplatforming the president, for example, like what an enormous decision to do something like that. And the tech companies having to take a stand at some point and what discussions that's that has then resulted in. Mm-hmm. And then we're seeing all the fallout of that with conversations with around the heat that Facebook's had for the remainder of the year around, okay, so you can do this for these types of individuals. Why aren't you doing it? Where is the line and what are the rules around it? And I think I think that's a really good conversation to have had or to be having because they wield so much power and getting that line right and is really important. And maybe they overstepped, maybe they didn't, but somehow these companies have to figure this stuff out. And uh, and the court of public opinion is going to be weighing on it pretty heavily. Yeah. And it's been interesting to look at it in the context. I totally agree with you. And it's been interesting to look at it in the context of history. You know what, when you see where should someone step in to protect the well-being of this of the citizens and where should that line be and i i've my core has generally been in the past less government involvement but you can't like completely ignore and not take a step back and be like there are certain things that that in the past that have happened that you that i accept as things that today if it was introduced i probably would push back on it and so it makes it's Mm -hmm. made me look in the mirror myself and be like okay so is there a certain degree of it? Where's the responsibility? We should yeah. like take Facebook, for example. Should they be today? They're not responsible for the stuff that if I go put something on Facebook, Facebook's not liable for what I put on Facebook. And that's part of the US, the I forget it's section 230. And I just forgot, but it's one of the FC, it's a law that's a bill that's been passed. It's part of the It was originally to protect ISPs, right? From the data right. flowing through an ISP, them not being liable and responsible. But at a certain point, should can you just completely <clears throat> wash your hands of it and say, you know, sorry, yeah. we, you know, we can't do, we're not responsible for this at all. Like, Yeah, it's where that line is drawn. It's super hard as well because you've got different countries, rules and regulations, laws, constitutions, all of those sorts of things that, that weigh in on this conversation. And getting the line is super fuzzy. And But that balancing act, I think having this discussion in public and the public coming to a not an agreement, but deciding on where the line is, is going to be really important for tech companies yeah. because they are ultimately, they're being held responsible for certain things that go on in the world. 
mm-hmm. or allowing certain things to perpetuate, like lies or misinformation about anything. They're, they're being held in the court of public opinion, they're being held liable or accountable for some of this now, which I think is an interesting change. Agreed. Agreed. Do you have a category you want to kick us, you want to switch over to on us or? Yeah. So while the world of social media has been under attack for the last couple of years in a big public way, so have other types of companies been under attack. And this year we have seen historically horrific cyber attacks on various companies, including really public ones like the solar winds attack that we saw this year, that was just heinous and really affected everybody from Microsoft to companies running other companies' software. Really, the scope was broad and it really sent shivers through the IT world just at how deep it ran and how horrific it was. But to recap, essentially, it was some hackers got some certs out of ADFS and then went to town on a company, <laughs> went to town on SolarWinds and then, sorry, got a hack into some SolarWinds software that then went to town, found ADFS certs and essentially handed over the keys to the authentication kingdom and the company that it was, companies that it was attacking. And then they had free reign to do essentially whatever they wanted. Companies and it really and highlighted, <laughs> sorry? Companies and governments. Companies and governments. Right. And it really showed for the first time, how broad these supply chain attacks, supply chain style attacks can be, where you, you drop a little hack in an upstream thing, and then in the downstream, the the impact is pretty brutal. And then again, we saw that more. So that was at the beginning of the year. So Q4 2020 slash Q1 2021 is when all this started happening. But then just this month, Log4J was a similar thing. It's essentially a supply chain attack where... Mm-hmm. Log4J was susceptible to a certain type of attack. And whose software does logging? (laughs) (laughs) Your TV. I I saw some great memes around this about if you don't log, (laughs) this would have never happened. Uh, Or you would have never known, one of the two. But yeah, supply chain attacks have really taken center stage. And just the, the scope and size and severity of the hacks we've seen this year have been crazy. Yeah. You're right. So SolarWinds was just the jaw dropping. And the more that we saw that kind of evolved from that, how it was learned about Brad Smith came out, gave the long interview from Microsoft and then had a pretty long form article as well. That a couple articles that came out that we've talked about on the show a couple of times and just looking at behind the scenes, like how they figured this out, how they started to, how they attacked it. It's just, it's fascinating. Then seeing, moving on to Colonial Pipeline. Now, right now, I'd say SolarWinds is not really over. They're still trying to figure out a lot of places how deep things got into still inoculate places. Blast radius. Um, Mm. Yeah, and Log4J is still, that was just a few, that's just in the last couple of weeks. And I when I first saw this, I was like, okay, how big of a deal is this really? And people are trying, oh, it's a really big freaking deal. Like, okay, how big is it? And then I started seeing things like, Here's what we're doing at Cloudflare to short circuit stuff because we're like one of the backbones and how we're killing stuff. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So that's, and then like I saw, there was a great article that I, I um, shared on Twitter yesterday of a company that was where they used Log4J to compromise themselves and to show how they went about doing this. And it did an entire AWS account takeover. Wow. That's they took cool. over their own account. So they had a red team. And their own company mm. and they use log4j to do a complete takeover of their own infrastructure and they're like we didn't even have any re- we didn't even realize how big of a deal this was until we took right. ourselves over <laughs> there's a lot of java out there 
a lot. And in big companies, a lot of enterprises, Java is their jam. And so it's very widespread. I think there's going to be a lot of miserable IT people in enterprises over Christmas. That's for sure. Yeah, it's nuts. It's really uh, nuts. And then Colonial Pipeline, April 2021, hackers managed to, I don't remember the exact details of it, but essentially hackers managed to shut down a fuel pipeline or fuel supply lines on the East Coast of the US. And there were people <laughs> lining up for gas for hours and hours because of this. Like yeah. It really disrupted deliveries of fuel all around the East Coast of the US. Yeah. As a um, ransomware one. Yep. That was the ransomware. ransomware that's right. Yeah. And then the takedown of how they actually, how the government got them to figure out who it was. They got, the, they actually hacked the company or the organization that had done the ransomware. Right. They hacked them and they got their money back. So they paid the ransom, but then they got the money back, but they also used it. Uh, it's just some of these stories are, it's interesting, but what's really interesting, what's going to be interesting to me is how things are going to change over time. So I look at this stuff right now and I see these big, the next category is going to fall into the same kind of you know, general category that we're going to talk about or that we're talking about now. But remember, let's go back to uh, Windows XP days or Windows like 2000 days. And back then we saw viruses and we saw malware. We saw it being hmm. such an issue with attacking individuals' computers. Today we're seeing a similar kind of a thing, but it's going more for supply chain kind of stuff, SaaS providers, things that we rely on, things that we don't really have as much control over. But we saw those changes. And then we, we, we ultimately, at least on the Microsoft side, we saw this huge, crazy Ivan switch back to let's lock everything down like crazy. And they did a good job of that with Vista. Now, one of the reasons Vista got such a bad name for it is because <laughs> it was locked down so much, but it was like one of those things going, you're going to have to take your pill in order to get to the other side of this. Yeah, kind know, of an over pivot. Yeah. And we yeah. needed that. And so like right now I'm wondering, when do we get this whole, everyone stop and do a complete lockdown and let's do an examination of how we build software and this open source stuff that the open source software and platforms that even these are going to be exposed or like seeing what happened with Ethereum a couple of years ago and how they had to do the, the hard fork. And mm. we mm. now we have things like Ethereum Classic, which is the old, ver like Ethereum V1, but then we have V2, which is the real Ethereum today. So it's like seeing these things, like how long is this going to keep going on that we're still playing catch up and being reactionary instead of it seeing a big, like a, a reset, a Epic, different approach. Get on the front foot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It goes on to what my next category is, is all about outages, like epic outages this year. That we've seen. Shoot. We joke about the stuff with Azure AD, right? Which it's had its outages this year, like normal, just like a normal year, I think. <laughs> but what we haven't seen is like some of the epic ones, like Facebook deciding to just delete themselves from the internet by dropping yes. their BGP routes. Yes. Um, like or, that, they deleted themselves hours and hours and hours and hours, like almost yeah. a day, right? They talk about deplatforming. They deplatformed everybody, a lot of people, and themselves in one. And like, <laughs> it was pretty impressive. They locked, they managed to lock themselves out of their own data centers. That was impressive. Those was stories impressive. I heard of key cards wouldn't working because auth wouldn't work because it couldn't connect to their own internal network stuff. And whoa, like it was broad. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny because it's almost, I, I look at this being a space guy. I know that there's so much resiliency that is built into things because you can't, you can't go up there and you can't like, have you tried rebooting it or turning it off and turning it on again? No, you can't just send somebody up to Hubble and turn it off and turn it on again. Like you have to do everything remotely. And 
to see things like, and like hearing like how they're dealing with, how they're going to deal with issues that come up with the James Webb telescope, like the solar shield has to unfurl. And if it doesn't unfurl, they've actually figured out that they have, we have a way to shimmy the telescope back and forth to shake it loose. <laughs> because once this thing goes, they can't do anything else. Yeah. I, I read um, there are 300 single points of failure yeah. in James Webb Space Telescope. This, and the scientists are like, oh no, it's totally fine. We've assessed every risk on each one of those. And that's in the acceptable risk category. So we can essentially forget about it. Pucker factor. Yeah, they say that, but it's always, but there's one thing that nobody has and there's a failure of imagination on something you didn't think about. It's, that's yep, the, I agree. That's it. It's the things you yep. don't think about. Yeah, you, you're right. And the other thing when, we come to, when it comes to outages, I joked around with this with you on a little private chat that we're on, but man, starting the week before Thanksgiving, Somebody should have done like a 25 days of AWS outages uh, for like Christmas theme because it's like they, an advent calendar. <laughs> oh my God, it really is. They've had this, they've had, they've really knocked themselves out this week. They even had, or just yesterday on the 21st, they had like a four hour power outage at, in Virginia from their US East one. And sure enough, like you started, my wife's texting me, goes, is Life360, is AWS down? Because Life360 isn't working. I'm like, that's the first time I've heard like my wife ask that question. Or sorry, <laughs> the second time. She's like, I went to UP, the UPS store to ship something and they said they couldn't do it because their systems were down. I go to the down detector. Look, there's UPS has this huge outage thing. And I just, where's AWS? Like going, oh, look, the AWS Fun Pacific UPS? Northwest. They got hey. two, of their, two of their data centers are down too. Like, wow. So what do we figure out? UPS, their point of sale system. They're on AWS and they're housed in US West 1 and West 2. <laughs> Wild. Yeah, outages this year have been pretty pretty epic. Just in their, in their breadth and duration, the, you know, the Azure ones have gone on for many hours in the past. But then you see, yeah, Facebook totally deleted itself. AWS took out so many downstream people. Just all sorts of stuff was offline. People not being able to trade stocks and various apps through to not not being able to watch a movie. Like the impact was really broad. I was going to use this as a pick, but I figured that since we're talking about it right now, it should be good. The knock on the AWS status bat- dashboard. If you go to what status dot, I think it's what status dot AWS dot Amazon dot com is where you get the status dashboard. Oh yeah, yeah. Have you seen there's an AWS Honest Service Health Dashboard? You can get to that if you go, <laughs> seriously, if you go to HTTPS colon whack whack stop dot line dot cloud. <laughs> it was more current yesterday when the outage happened than the AWS Status Dashboard. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. It looks the that's exact fantastic. same. That's fantastic. Except for the header at the very top. Where it's- Man, that's so good. <laughs> that's hilarious. Brilliant. Some people are very creative. That's awesome. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to say anything about the the outages that we've seen? Or no, I think that covers it. I think like we're going to see more of this, right? There's going to be as more and more services are dependent on the cloud, more and more of our apps run these data centers. The wider the impact. Yep. Definitely. What else you got for us? Looking back at twenty at twenty twenty one. I would say twenty twenty one thematically the theme of adoption of cloud software and explosion of some of the companies has continued. So. Even with all the craziness that went on in 2020 with everybody scrambling around the pandemic, 2021 saw a continued rocket ship trajectory of some of these companies. Microsoft becoming the most valuable company in the world. I believe it's it's over, what is it right now? Is it over a $2 trillion valuation or something? It wasn't that long ago that we were talking about the first company cracking a trillion. And I believe it was Apple to do it, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah. 
Yeah, now Microsoft's at $2.5 trillion. They have been on an absolute ripper of a couple of years. And the stock has, the stock has shown that. So back in, uh, let's see, December 2019, their stock price was $157. Oh, my God. And now it's at 335 Can we go back to when? Back? I want to go back. In, I don't know. I'll go back to 2019. Oh, you want to go back in time? I yeah. see. No, unfortunately, I can't solve that. I can go back in time on the graph that I'm looking at, though. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> you could have made loads if you just bought in. And <laughs> what a shoulda, coulda. What if anybody's ever thought about that? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, nuts, huh? But yeah, crazy, crazy yeah. times. It really um, is. So anyway, the thermat, back to the theme, companies like AWS or Amazon or are still called that, aren't they? Yeah. No, I'm thinking of Facebook changing the meta. Yeah. AWS and Azure, obviously absolutely crushing it. Companies like Zoom, t- apps like Teams, things like that. Just the march for continued adoption and growth has been unprecedented, I think, for cloud software and adoption. Yep. What's Teams up to over 250 million daily actives or something like that? It's, something like that, yeah. It's insanity. I can't keep up with the numbers. Gone absolutely ballistic. And so, yeah, that march continued this year. It's been great for the industry, of course, but wild and crazy too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you summed it up. I don't have anything to say there. The only thing that I would throw out just, and we are the Microsoft Cloud Show. So I know Microsoft did have two really big releases this year that I thought it's worth calling out. Windows 11 being one of them was a really big release and Microsoft Viva, which, or is it Microsoft Viva, which is, they're really proud about both of those things. So those were their two big launches this year of the big stuff that we thought we would cover. Okay. Now we're going to have a little bit of fun. We're going to score ourselves. You know what this is, right? Yeah. I can't even remember what I said last year. So this, might, okay. be a bit, this might be a bit interesting because you do. That's okay because I remember what you said. Here we go. Right on. Let's go. Are you under increasing pressure to ship code faster than ever before? Then it's time to work smarter with Raygun's modern approach to error and performance monitoring. Raygun gives you instant visibility into the health of your software. And what makes it so unique is that not only it tells you when something's gone wrong, it shows you exactly where it's gone wrong and how to fix it right down to the line of code. Made by developers for developers, Raygun has built a suite of monitoring tools that are used and loved by thousands of software teams every day. Monitor every corner of your tech stack with widespread language support and native integrations with GitHub, Jira, Slack, Bitbucket, Octopus Deploy, and more for even greater visibility. Visit raygun.com to resolve issues faster and to deliver flawless digital experiences to your users. That's raygun.com to get started on your 14-day free trial with plans starting from as little as $4 per month. And now, back to the show. All right, CJ. We started this many years ago. We then tweaked it a little bit in the last year or two, where we don't do our predictions anymore. Instead, we have our wishes and our goals. So we're going to start with you because I'm the host today and because I can bag on you. But don't worry. I have a track record that is equal to yours, if not worse. <laughs> so surely that means I got one thing, one thing, yeah. maybe half a point. Okay, we'll see. I got one. I got one point. I have two. You have three things. I have two things, and I'm going to get. I'm going to get a fifty percent. I think okay. your first one was Google's going to challenge Microsoft 365 more seriously. Wow! 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 Yeah. 
Sorry. I think that's going to take a lot longer. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even sure they even made an attempt. Your second one, Microsoft Teams goes crazy on extensibility. Now, if you take away Ooh, Viva... What's changed? We have meeting apps. Other than that, I don't really yeah. see anything. I wouldn't even call that crate. No, that's not crazy. Yeah, it's not crazy. Yeah, it certainly doesn't live up to what I was expecting. Let's put it that way. No, I don't. I think that they're they're still their worst enemy in my mind. Microsoft Teams continues to change their developer story and development tooling story and everything every couple of months, it seems, or every six months, which I think I know they're doing it because they're trying to get more people to actually build stuff on Teams. But I think it's actually having the exact inverse effect and in that people are not doing it because they see so much change. These were our wishes, right? So these were our wishes. These were our hopes and desires as opposed to, do I think it's actually going to happen? Your I third guess, thing? Oh, sorry. Okay. No, I was just going to say, I was, I was definitely hopeful of those things for sure. We've already covered this. You were hopeful of this as well, that the United States is going to figure out the right balance with social media and BS info and Microsoft is going to lead the way. Huh. Man, I was hopeful of that. I can't, I can't say the discussion's being had, but and Microsoft's participating in that a little, I, re, I, I guess, around not so much on the misinformation side of things, that they're definitely working on taking down like hacker networks and all that sort of stuff, capturing various domains and taking hacking groups offline and participating in law enforcement with that sort of stuff, but not around social media. Fortunately, I guess, in one respect, Microsoft's not participating in that. Yeah. They didn't buy TikTok. Yes. Man, Yeah, my hopes and dreams have been dashed, AC. Yeah. Well, mine aren't that great. So you had three items. We're sticking with baseball. You got three strikes. Yeah. I don't know. You may have hit a foul ball on the Microsoft leads the way, but the rest of them, I don't. I'm just going to roll those forward each year. I'm just going <laughs> to I'm just gonna keep rolling them. <laughs> CJ with our new installment called Mailing It In. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I might need to change the team one. I'm not as hopeful as I used to be. Yeah. Okay. So I had two. My first one was that Microsoft shows a commitment to the SharePoint framework and focuses on reliability. I am going to give myself a little bit of a point here because they did start doing more of this. They've hired one or two people on the SharePoint framework team that their only job is to go back through a lot of the issues that have been reported and to either acknowledge that they were already fixed and not being left open or to clarify and get more information about it and to address those things. If there were platform things they could fix and get those fixed. So, Well, that's good. That's good. They are showing some progress there. Not a ton, but they are showing uh, they are showing a lot more energy and a lot more of a focus there. So I am happy to see that. Nice. The other thing that my other issue that they had or my other item that I put on there was that Microsoft 365 development is going to improve consistency and cohesiveness. What would you say? To, or would uh, you? About that? Yeah. I'd give them marks on consistency around the graph type stuff, like their focus on in terms of app extensibility and how you build apps for the whole ecosystem, not great, especially with what we've seen going on with, I would say, a bit of fracturing around what's going on with Viva and Teams. And you still have to go figure it out for the specific thing that you want to go build. And it's very different from the other hand. I think that the way you described the fracture story is really good. I don't think that the consistency and the cohesiveness is there. I don't think that they've done a good job at this at all. I think that part from what we talked about a minute ago with Microsoft Teams on extensibility, I think that they're, they still feel very much shotgun. That, mm. And I think that the lack of adoption of people building apps 
on top of teams. I'm sure that there's developers that are out there that are building things. I know that there are, but we're not seeing like, you're not seeing a lot of people like flock to this space as being something that you could actually build and you could embrace. I don't look at it. If you go back in history and if you've been part of the SharePoint ecosystem for a while, just remember the SharePoint conference 2009 Mm. and the energy and buzz around the ecosystem that people were making lots of money Mm -hmm. and Partners were building new apps for SharePoint, new add-ons, and new, you know, this, that, and the other things. And that just the ecosystem had a vibe around it that was very high energy. And those companies, people were able to put their stakes in the ground and, and ship apps and make money on them. And I haven't really felt like Teams, for example, hasn't hit that stride. I agree with that. In fact, I don't see that energy on Teams at all. And I think it's actually been also at a cost to SharePoint because you see Microsoft talking less and less about SharePoint and trying to talk more about Teams. And it feels like the professional developer story when it comes to Microsoft 365 is confusing, but it's also a lot of tail wagging the dog. Microsoft is telling people a lot of things that they should be building, but it's not resonating. I also Mm. don't think that the, the, I don't think that the message from Redmond about the push to get people to build when they're supposed to use Power Platform and when they're supposed to use like professional developer things. So when should I be building a Power Up and when should I be cracking open Visual Studio or Visual Studio Code? The answer is not clear. Good point. Um, Microsoft does a very poor job of this, I think. And it's evidenced by when you talk to professional developers not understanding when should I be using a Power Up and when should I not be using a Power App. I think that one, to me, the Power Platform is great for one-off things and force a certain audience to be using. Hmm. Whereas there are professional development topics that are for a totally different audience. And the problem is that we don't see the professional developer audience being spoken to. Like they don't, those topics are not being discussed, but they're saying power platform and they're pushing that to everybody. And I think that it's it's confusing. It's actually doing them a disservice. It's not helping 365 at all. Unfortunately though, I guess fortunately, but unfortunately, is that we still see the growth of 365 taking off. We still see the growth of Teams taking off. And so in spite of these things that I'm complaining about, Microsoft 365 and Teams are still growing. And so there's no incentive for them to change what they're doing. However, I think that they're hurting themselves in the long run at the expense of the short run. But the explosion in growth, I think, is is sheltering or it's not quite the right word I'm looking for. Masking. That's better. Yeah. Yeah. Masking some of these. Yeah. issues in the ecosystem. And also explosion and growth means that the head honchos at Microsoft, like it, it looks like everything's going great. So stock is up, scorecards are being checked off. Things are good, right? Yeah, that works great. But Microsoft has a tendency to put blinkers on when eventually when they think, oh, everything's rosy, the blinkers go on and they don't see the challenges ahead. Mm-hmm. And the classic example is IE, 90 plus percent market share. Then nothing was done. There was no innovation on it for a decade or whatever it was. And and now nowhere. A squeaky wheel gets the attention kind of thing. Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, it was getting all everybody collaborating online and, and remotely. And mm-hmm. so Teams gets the attention. But eventually that, that squeak will quieten down and I hope it's in a good state. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We'll see. Okay. So that was those were our wishes. Now we're going to get a little more on the personal side. Oh, God. Yeah. And we're going to talk about what our goals were. Okay. Do you remember what your goals were? No idea. Okay. I have some vague recollections. 
kind of mean that good. I have the concrete <laughs> recollection in front of me. So here we, so here I we suspe- go. I suspect I've completely bombed these, but we'll see. CJ, your goal number one was flying lessons. Okay. <laughs> and I say that is still a goal, strangely enough. I definitely want to do flying lessons, but I haven't done them in real life. But I have eight days. That's true. <laughs> and weirdly enough, I have been having virtual flying lessons from a real F-16 pilot. So I don't know. Does that count at all? <laughs> We're in a very non-judgy space at the moment. I'm not going to do this because I have no room to judge based on what my goals were. I'm learning all sorts of interesting stuff from a real life, actually two real life F-16 pilots on uh, flying F-16s. And we're, we're doing formation flying and huh. running various missions. And they're teaching me all about how stuff operates in the real world and well, not that I want to take flying lessons to fly an F-16, but you never know. <laughs> so that won't happen in the next eight days, but maybe... No, okay. I really do want to take uh, real world flying lessons. That's for sure. I haven't felt comfortable doing it this year yet, being stuck in a small Cessna with some random instructor with COVID and things. So I have not actioned that goal yet, but it's not out of a lack of desire, more out of the practicalities of the year. That's fair. Okay. I'm going to skip your second one for a second. Okay. Your third one was to run or exercise twice a week. I definitely have not met that goal, but I've definitely made progress towards it. Okay, that's good. I'm that's- playing playing tennis fairly regularly, which has been, it's actually taken over from running, actually. I've been running less and playing tennis more, oh. but I'm definitely not at the twice a week category. Okay. Your second one was to spend more time developing and maybe to learn Go or Golang. Wow. I'm definitely spending more time developing. That's good. That's been really good. Uh, Change of role has really helped me spend more time in the weeds. I'm in a smaller company with a smaller team doing less BS management stuff and working more on the weeds on projects. And yeah, I think I've definitely spent more time coding. And that's not like going from writing one line of code a year to writing two lines of code and saying I've improved 100%. I would say I probably code, I don't know, a good day a week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Something like that. Whereas before it was nowhere near that. Yeah, I think I've definitely improved on that, although I haven't learned Go. Okay, there you go. Those are your goals. So you have time now before our next episode to think about what your wishes and goals are for 2022. Nice, nice. How about you? Okay, so one of them that it's a complete whiff on is to learn something new tech like Go, Python, .NET Core, Kubernetes, question mark is what I have here, what I've listed here. And Hmm. I still want to do this for the ones that I've listed. I've made zero progress on any of them. You've learned about graph databases and stuff. You've been dabbling around with Cosmos DBs, graph stuff and things like that. Yeah. So there are two bits of tech that I have dug much deeper in. One on the one is a work thing that I am leveraging. And like you're saying, that's more on the graph databases, Cosmos DB. I'm doing a lot more of that now with my own business, or I, I was at one point this year. I haven't been doing it lately, part for a focus issue, a deliberate focus decision, I should say, not issue. One bit of tech though that I have really done a deep dive on for the last couple of months, my own time, that has nothing to do with work, is all the, the crypto space. So not just understanding right. like what is blockchain was, what is like Bitcoin and Ethereum, but really understanding the business, the economics around it, the philosophical questions with it. I've been listening to a lot of really good stuff. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, the podcast that you introduced me to, the Acquired podcast. 
And yeah. they've got two very long form interview or episodes, one on Bitcoin and one on Ethereum. And I have found both of them to be mm. the Ethereum one specifically answered a lot of questions, but I've done some MIT open courseware courses on it, subscribed to a couple of YouTube channels that I'm watching on a regular basis. There you and, go. That's a yeah, that's a pretty good. I'd say you got that. And the thing with that, the reason I chose, picked that as a goal, and I'll con- I know it'll be different flavor of this, but similar going forward in 2022 when we do our stuff, is that I find that this the learning something and applying it on the tech space, that's what that's like the mental exercise for me. That's what really gets me going and it makes me feel alive. Aside from like physical exercise, that the tech side of really trying to understand something that I don't understand, I really enjoy it. So learning new tech. I think next year, I definitely want to learn Go and Python. But again, you know what? That's our 2022 goal. So I'm going to, we'll do that later. My other three things that I had listed, one of them, I'm going to put two of them in. It was around my business, specifically focusing on Go growth, back office, a marketing revamp, and expanding my courses beyond Microsoft 365. I don't give myself very good scores for this. I had a focus decision, also dropped the ball a good bit on some stuff, but I've had very good reasons in the last couple of weeks and months that has made me really start to ask myself some really hard questions. And I'm very excited about some changes that I'm, some decisions that I've made going forward. They all rely, they all dovetail into all those things. But I will say like on the marketing revamp, there's a bunch of stuff that I've done that have, I've made some changes that are, I'm already seeing the fruits of those labors. So it's nice. good to see those changes. Nice. The other thing that I am proud of that I did have was one of my goals for 2021 was focus. So what I wrote was, Cut back my involvement in discussions, debates, issues, projects, events, etc. And I've done that for the entire year. I have not withdrawn, but I've just I've made a conscious decision to not get involved in things that don't go back to my core. So I, I had a really yeah. good discussion with a really good friend of ours, a really good friend of mine the other day, somebody we both know, Julie Turner, and was mostly talking about work stuff. And she challenged me in a way and said, But do you have a manifesto? I didn't really understand what she was saying. I thought I did, but in retrospect, I didn't. And I think about it in a different way, but the way she was asking it was, do you have something written down that is basically what you're going to, what your focus is so that you can go back and look at it and look at decisions you make and say, does this fit with what my stated goal and my stated direction is? And if it doesn't ask yourself those hard questions of why. So like this year with focus now, I withdrew from one or two of the mastermind, one of the mastermind groups that I've been in because I just wasn't getting out of it what I thought, what I needed out of it. I wasn't providing to the other people. They weren't providing to me. Nothing against any of us. We're just in different places. I've cut back the amount of time that I spend on like social media, specifically about discussing topics that I don't really care to discuss on social media, mm-hmm. like politics or I don't know, hot button stuff like that. Political issues, social issues, stuff like that. I'd rather talk about those things in person. Cutting back on events. I did zero conferences last year and oh my God, I loved it. Now, I know there weren't a lot of conferences going on last year because of the pandemic, but I loved being able to just walk away from a lot of that stuff. So Mm. I'm really happy with that. That was like the one goal that I felt like I really nailed it this year. And I'm really happy that I did. That's awesome. Nicely done. So what'll be fun is that when we sit down, and I'm not going to, we're not going to score these, but I think that a nice little accountability thing. And I'm looking forward to when we sit down in episode four, 441, 442, when we decide we do our looking forward to 2022 and we have our new wishes and our new goals. I like it. I like it a lot. But we've gone on for quite a bit. It's about time to wrap up 2021. 
Yeah. But before we do that, we have to have our picks that we're going to leave with everyone. So let's do that. Let's do it. AC's Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. Back to the show. All right, CJ, I'm going to start with our listener pick. We haven't done a listener yes. pick in a while, and we had a completely unsolicited one by someone, a longtime listener, a guy named Brent McKenzie, who goes by the name Free Range Eggs on Twitter. Now, I've got a link to his tweet where he shared this with us. I had a little kind of a pick back at him because he, I shared one with him, but his pick was it's six episodes on a YouTube channel or a YouTube series playlist called Power On the Story of Xbox. He shared this with us a couple of weeks ago or about a week or so ago. I thought it was definitely interesting. There's even a part in there where Snoop Dogg is talking about the red ring of death. That's, that's funny. I kicked a pick back to him and I was like, oh man, you got to check out the, the Wondery podcast called Business Wars and their series on Xbox versus PlayStation. That was really good. So nice. Brett, good pick. Definitely one that we wanted to, that we wanted to highlight. Yeah, and I think it's the anniversary. Is it the anniversary year of Xbox? Something like that, right? Something so like it's, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very topical too. Yeah. Thanks for sending it in. Absolutely. So, what pick do you have for us today, CJ? I'm gonna let you go first. I'm space themey this week. Tada! Like surprise. This is a YouTube video by Everyday Astronaut about with an interview with Peter Beck, who's the CEO and founder of Rocket Lab. Ah. Uh, talking about their new neutron rocket. So if you're interested in learning all about that and you're, I would say you need to be moderately deeply nerdy about rocketry and space to enjoy this conversation because they talk about some pretty nerdy stuff about rocket design and Rocket Lab's unique take on the rocket they're building called Neutron. And it's a really interesting discussion. It's about 50 minutes long. But if you're into that sort of thing, then I highly recommend going and having a look at it. And it's just the conversation is pretty fun. And they talk yeah. about materials and and how you know, Peter Beck has one line in it that I'll just that I'll I'll mention. He basically says rocket design is essentially just an enormous game of compromises. The whole huh. thing is a bad compromise. Is essentially what he says. I didn't say that verbatim, but he basically said there is it is just one big compromise. Right, you can't do something without compromising something else, and it's really just where you want to balance things. And it goes into the, some of the design choices they're making. And it's just really interesting building cool. a new rocket from scratch. Yeah. That's really cool. I, yeah, I'd, have to, I'd definitely tune into that. It's like the one that I've always wondered as a rocket designer, how big do you make your rocket? There's that interesting, there's an interesting trade-off, which is in order to be able to build a bigger rocket, you need more fuel, but that adds more weight. And so you need more fuel to be able to get the more weight off the ground. But the more, it's, wait a minute. Yeah. They talk about this interview. He calls it the death spiral. Yeah. I think he calls it the death spiral, something like that, where it's basically like it's the chicken and an egg. The more fuel you add, the higher you can go, but the more fuel you add, the more fuel you need because it adds more weight. Yeah. And then let's just keep going back and forth. Exactly. Yeah. It's fascinating. Some of the trade-offs in terms of heat, aerodynamics, weight, materials, how you put a payload in a rocket. And Rocket Lab have built small rockets so far. But Neutron is a fairly big rocket. Like it's not a small one. It's it'll be interesting to watch. That's cool. I have to go. I definitely would check that out. Okay. How about you? What do you got for us this week? Okay. So this is specifically for you because you've got a history of skydiving, and this is a medical journal 
from the BMJ.com or BMJ.com. And the title of this is Parachute Used to Prevent Death and Major Trauma Related to Gravitational Challenge, a Systematic Review of Randomized Controlled Trials. And the idea here was to really define, does a parachute actually help you when you're skydiving <laughs> avoid major trauma, which is defined as a severe injury score um, greater than 15. And yeah. the idea was they wanted to be able to, to come up with some studies that would show the effectiveness of using a parachute during free fall. That was what the objective was. The objective was to determine whether parachutes are effective in preventing major trauma related to gravitational challenges. And when all the stuff we look at with all the scientific proof, like going, how do you know that they're, you know, vaccines are safe? And how do you know that they don't do this? And how do you know they prevent these different things? Like you just have to trust us. Yeah. And they were trying to come up with something like this as well. But the problem that they had with this is that the result was they were unable to identify a randomized controlled trial of parachute intervention. So their conclusion, as with many different interventions intended to prevent ill health, the effectiveness of parachutes has not been subjugated to the rigorous evaluation by using randomized controlled trials. Advocates of evidence-based medicine have criticized the adoption of interventions evaluated by using only observational data. We think that everyone might benefit if the most radical protagonists of evidence-based medicine organized and participated in a double-blind, randomized, <laughs> placebo-controlled crossover trial of the parachute. So there is no proof that parachutes are going to be better for you during a free fall because there's no proof to show on the other side that if you're not wearing a parachute, that you're any more likely to survive. This is a it's, medical scientific journal. And they that just, is they an are, interesting they could, approach. Yeah, yeah they could. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love the pl placebo controlled. Yeah. Your parachute may or may not work. It Would might be a real study? one. It might not, but you won't know before you jump. And just like all college, just like all of these different things, we'll pay you 25 bucks per, per study that you participate in. Don't worry. When you jump out of a plane, there's only one thing you have to worry about, what? the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, oh, boy. Yeah. That's, uh, they have a point. I think common sense suggests that one side might be weighted more than the other. That's true. And look, like what's odd about this, and I'd be interested to see if they talk about this, is that most deaths in skydiving are after your parachute has opened. So I'm not sure how they're going to account for that. Not before your parachute is opened or not. And you don't have the most amount of deaths too from skydiving when you jump out without a parachute. The most amount of deaths that have happened from skydiving is that when it's coming from after your parachute is has, exactly. has opened. So exactly. statistics show... The interesting about this is that, so I've got, when I shared this with someone, they're like, where in the world did you find this? How did you find this? I'm just, <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to share that. I'm just going to share that this study or this article was published in December of 2003. Gotcha. Oh, it's a while ago. Yeah. A while ago. I'm surprised their conclusion doesn't include, turns out gravity's a real bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty good. It, there's been a lot of really interesting you ought to go through and read the comments. The comments are absolutely hilarious. Like one guy, dear editor, with even greater interest, we have uh, reread the systematic review of this, blah, blah. Results from two recent studies may shed light on the efficacy of parachute use. The first was a single blind randomized controlled trial. The intervention group used a parachute and subjects in the control group fell from a great height without a parachute. The placebo group had significantly and relatively more head injuries, cervical trauma, thoracic trauma, lumbar trauma, pelvic trauma, and more haptic spleen and bladder uh, injuries. Unfortunately, only study subjects were blinded for having a parachute, limiting the methodology 
a method methodological oh, came to say it quality of the trial. The second study involved involved a human volunteer. You just got to get, there's 46 comments. This is awesome. It's a scientist going back and forth, like responding to this in a, in a very a detailed sciencey way. kind of way. Yeah. It's funny. It's really, I funny. mean, they say if at first you don't succeed, skydiving is not. So, so yeah, closely followed by keep pulling handles until your goggles fill up with blood. That's the other one. Yeah. It's fun. I suggest everybody try it, but I also suggest, and this is not my scientific opinion, taking a parachute's a good idea. Yeah. There's, or there is somebody who has jumped and on purpose jumped without a parachute and has successfully landed in a net. He's from the Seattle area, but yeah, he, he has survived. Yeah. He was the first person to, I guess, let, you could call that kind of landing being caught by a net. I don't know, without a parachute. There are some nutcases too, who jump without parachutes regularly. Mm-hmm. And then people jump out with them holding the parachute and then in free fall, they fall around and do a bunch of stuff, and then eventually they put the parachute on. And those people have a complete death wish. Like, that's complete insanity. Yeah. At any rate. Craziness. I tell you what, it's violent, be- it's violent enough jumping with a parachute and opening your parachute. If you, ladies, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but if you put one part of your anatomy in the wrong spot, you, you may not ever have kids. Like, <laughs> it's not a soft opening. Like, it. People think, oh, it'd be nice. I don't really think about it. You can really hurt yourself if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> it's violent. You can get bruising and all sorts of stuff. So it's uh, you break limbs with your reserve. It opens very quickly. It's made to you know, open quick. And so if you're not yeah. ready for it. It's made to arrest the fall, not made to make a comfortable glide. No, like, you, yeah, your main parachute will open anywhere from 1,200 feet to... 600 feet usually that's usually the range and a reserve will have you stopped in less than 500 like it's <laughs> it's quick yeah i thought that would be a funny way to end 2021 so with that cj it's been another fun year doing this show it's with been you indeed i appreciate everyone sticking around with us and looking forward to 2022 and taking some time off Yeah, we'll take a little bit of time off. We'll reconvene. We'll talk about the year ahead, as we usually do. And uh, hopefully I have another great year ahead, laughing about some of the craziness going on in our industry and all the shenanigans happening. And, And we'll go from there. But yeah. Sounds good to me, man. Merry Christmas and a happy new year to you. Likewise. And to everybody listening. Catch you in 2022. Later. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find out about our show and grow the audience, and we would really appreciate it. If you got a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a wave or an MP3 and provide a link to it so that we can play your question on the show. You can also subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts, in the Google Play Store, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. And finally, sign up to our mailing list by heading over to our website, microsoftcloudshow.com. You'll get notices of each new episode as well as the show notes sent directly to you each week. We'll be back with another episode next week. Thanks for listening.